0: Welcome to the National Democratic Institute's Changing the Face of Politics podcast series. In these candid conversations recorded from home, politically active women from around the globe interview each other about the male-dominated world of politics. They're the best examples of why we need to move faster to reach political parity between men and women before the middle of the next century and change the face of politics. In the 8th episode of the series, you will hear Fauzia Abdi-Ali interview Vera Yarova, the Vice President of the European Union for Values and Transparency, about the successes and challenges for women's political participation in Europe.
1: Hello. Welcome to this episode of the Changing Face of Politics podcast series by NDI. My name is Fauzia Abdi Ali, and I am the president of Women in International Security in the Horn of Africa. We have a really good guest today, the Vice President Vera Yorova, who is the Vice President of the European Union for Values and Transparency. Welcome, Vera. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you for inviting me. So we will start off uh, from what has been happening in the past couple of months, and this is the issue of COVID in particular. Um, Has the COVID-19 crisis influenced your political views in any way? Well, we see that COVID-19
2: is a a horrible thing which which, uh, we have to manage. Uh, Definitely, we have to manage in a fair way that the price for COVID uh, will not be paid only by some. And this is about the asymmetric impact of COVID, uh, where we clearly see that the groups of citizens, uh, the parts of the society which already was in handicapped position uh, and, and with some kind of vulnerability, is now under even bigger pressure. It is not a surprise. COVID-19 has amplified everything—everything uh, everything negative, but also positive. We we have to speak about the, the digital revolution, which has been uh, somehow uh, pushed pushed forward. So we uh, uh, obviously see that in COVID-19, the uh, the need to uh, the, to come with the policy which will. Uh, decrease the burdens on some, especially we speak here about the women, so so decrease the burdens uh, on, on women and children and, and on, on everybody who is in vulnerable position is a very key challenge and also imperative for our policies. And this is especially, this is exactly what we try to do in the European Union, because as you know, we have... Uh, as you might know, we have uh, been at, in the final stage of adopting the new budget for, for the next seven years, which includes uh, a big uh, amount of money to uh, decrease the negative impact of, of COVID-19 crisis. And that is a very important chapter which deals with the social impact and which also encourages all of us to come with the policies which will stabilize the situation and which will help the people in need. Uh, We have done, we we have to do a lot uh, more things uh, because what we see is the increase of domestic violence, which is again, of course, uh, turning against women and children. And when I say we, I mean men and women who are in the politics and here comes our issue that we still have in in some parts of Europe politics as the uh, almost purely domain of men and the imbalanced politics which is not reflecting the way of thinking and the needs of of the women is uh, I think very very dangerous especially in these times. Because now uh, too much is at stake, the crisis is shank- shaking all of us, and we need to come with the, the proper political response.
1: Interesting that you bring out the issue of imbalanced politics and the way it's also impacting women uh, in particular, and, and the fact that in some instances even the needs of women aren't necessarily met. Uh, You talk about the fact that there's policies that need to be put in place when looking at the issue of COVID. And one of the criticism that has always been put across now uh, with various countries looking at the stimulus packages, uh, they seem to not necessarily have a gender lens to see ways it can cover both men and women during this crisis. This year we are celebrating 25 years of, you know, Beijing conference and platform for action. What do you think, as especially a woman in political leadership and decision-making has changed when it comes to issues of women? And what do you think, especially now with the issue of COVID, has stubbornly stayed the same?
2: Yeah, let, let me say last sentence on, on COVID. Uh, we, what we see is, is the, the, the reality is that the women are often in frontline jobs uh, in the healthcare and care sectors and shops selling essential goods as well as in part-time and precarious jobs in the sectors most affected by the economic crisis. That's why we need to take proper decisions, also to, to understand the role of women and, and support them in it because they are working for the whole society. And. Uh, they also often face the heaviest share of the childcare and homeschooling burden during school closures. So uh, the role of women in in, in COVID is uh, extremely important, and we must not neglect their needs because it would not be only unfair; it would be very short-sighted. On on your question, well. Uh, women, uh, 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 25 years after Beijing uh, agreement, uh, we uh, saw some, uh, some uh, progress uh, in the right direction. Many countries worldwide uh, codified women's rights and implemented gender quotas for elected office, uh, which, which helped to encourage the women to get to the decision-making position. However, progress has been slowed and even uneven around the world with less than a handful of countries achieving gender balance in parliaments today. The European Union is not an an exemption. We only see some champions. The Scandinavian countries are traditional champions in uh, putting women first uh, for a very good reason and with very good results. When you look mm-hmm. at how stable and prosperous the Scandinavian countries are, well, I believe this is uh, the merit of the balanced uh, decision-making. Mm-hmm. So let's take it as a good example. Uh, if, we, if we have time, uh, we, we have some, I have some figures for Europe here. I always say that the European Union is a good address for the women. But there is but, <laughs> we, we still, we are not there yet. Uh, so mm-hmm. average EU last year figures, 32% point five, uh, point five in uh, participation of women in lower houses of the parliaments. Only 7% of the member states achieved gender-balanced, gender-balanced, uh, uh, co- coverage uh, which is which we co- count around or above 40 percent. 39 percent of women in local assemblies. The smaller the towns the more the women <laughs> because they are universal. <laughs> the, the bigger the towns the more men because they are women to work <laughs> around them. Sorry but I sometimes have to be a little bit politically incorrect. Uh we have 31% of senior ministers in uh, the member states governments. Nine, nine member states at this moment have gender balanced government. So it mm-hmm. means more than 40% of women. We have 14% prime ministers. We have fantastic women leaders in Europe. We have Angela Merkel. Whenever I see only men around the table, I am very nervous. And when For instance, the the memory of of the crisis in Ukraine, Uh, there were were negotiations in Minsk and there were only men around the table. I remember the relief when Angela Merkel entered the room (laughs) 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 because I, I knew that she will bring the necessary approach which will pay full attention to the needs of the people. Very good understanding of what good compromise is in the interest of people. Uh, Somebody who will offer cooperation instead of confrontation. You know, these are the elements which we women always uh, come with uh, when it comes to to political debate. We have fantastic women in leadership in Finland. We have the new president in Slovakia, Zuzana Čaputová. We now, when we look around, uh, Kamala Harris. This is quite a hope. I'm absolutely good hope. I'm really happy. We have Greta Thunberg. <laughs> yes. uh, we, uh, uh, we have uh, also uh, I have to mention Malala Yusfazai. Y- a great said, example yeah. of somebody who is fighting uh, a real battle for education, for, for women and children and for, for emancipation of, of women. In pretty dangerous uh, environment, so uh, fantastic examples of fantastic leadership, and I think that uh, we will do the best thing to encourage women, not not to convince the men to empty the space for women. No, to encourage mm-hmm. the women to harvest the opportunity to go for it, and not to wait for somebody to 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 give her some, some, I don't know, a helping hand, hand is fine, but it, it should not be something which will uh, degrade the self-confidence of the women. Uh, we can be very self-confident. Uh, I, uh, dear Fauzia, I forgot the question, which is always the case when I'm getting uh, emotional. <laughs>
1: So. <laughs> it's very fine because we, we get to see your passions when it comes to issues of political leadership, which brings me to a question about you. What motivates you to, to get politically involved? I see the passion around you know having all the great women that you've been talking about, giving us examples. You've even cited young women uh, in your examples, Greta and others. What really motivates you, there? It would be interesting for everyone to hear you as a political leader. What motivates you?
2: Uh, I always have to get upset properly <laughs> to, <laughs> to go and do something. Uh, but uh, yeah, my career was very, very stable. I worked, for, worked first for the city as a city manager, then for the region, then for the state as a minister. And then I ended up in the European Politics and European Commission. My inner compass was put inside, Mm -hmm. maybe you'll be surprised, by my father. (laughs) Maybe it's because he wanted me to be a boy, (laughs) but he (laughs) he was always encouraging me to study, uh, to be courageous and to act when I see injustice. he was He was really a very strong uh, driver for me. He, he died 30 years ago, so he never saw me in politics. Wow. Uh, but, but whenever i I am going to take some some important decision, I go to to the cemetery to consult with him, <laughs> because I, I really need to to get some energy still from him, even after 30 years. So uh, I, I was a very bad entrepreneur. Uh, because for me the motivation to make money was never uh, uh, strong enough <laughs> to engage fully. So, uh, but but this was this was a useful experience to go step by step because uh, uh, when when we work in politics uh, we we simply have to work for the people and with the people, and to have first the experience in the municipality, it took, it was a very good time for fine tuning of, of how the communication should look like.
1: So you uh, actually served as the EU uh, Commissioner for Justice, uh, Consumers and Gender Equality. Um, let's talk about, what are your thoughts on gender equality and democracy? What do you, uh, how do these two work together in your mind?
2: Uh, well, uh, I think democracy uh, is the best system ever, which the people invented to have peaceful Mm -hmm. and prosperous life, where everybody should have the same uh, value of the voice. And we are not there yet. Because uh, what we see uh, also, uh, again, the European figures, uh, women are more than 50% of European population. Mm -hmm. 60% of university graduates are women. Uh, I told you the figures for the representation in politics. Yes. 5% of CEOs, but you didn't ask about maybe so much about business. Mm-hmm. 16% average pay gap, yeah. I continue. And uh, it is amazing that we are still not able to get rid of this heritage of the past. Having, Why the, is that so? having the chance to go and vote and go and be voted. So uh, I think that in in democracy, in modern democracy, uh, we should all do everything to uh, encourage the women to go to decision-making positions, to forget about all that past bias, to be Mm -hmm. self-confident enough, to have a clear goal, uh, to have convincing arguments, because the men, when go to, they go to politics, this is what I noticed, they have a tendency to sell and promote themselves. Yes. When we go to politics, we are promoting the ideas rather than ourselves. <laughs> we should make it a strength instead of weakness. And uh, without uh, achieving the balance uh, in uh, decision-making positions, uh, our democracy will always have uh, uh, some, uh, some uh, critical features like imbalance, uh, biased decision-making, unfairness. Uh, so of course uh, we have to work together to, to encourage the women to take a take stronger, stronger voice. We are trying to, to finance projects in Europe to encourage women to study technical subjects at school. Mm-hmm. To get better-paid positions in IT sector, but we are also encouraging the, the young women uh, to enter the the politics, especially at the uh, municipal first at the municipal and regional level. Some parties are uh, introducing the quotas for the women,
1: mm-hmm.
2: which sometimes works, sometimes not, because it is also it's it's not welcomed everywhere because quota in some part of European Union is seen as the unnecessary, uh, how to say, uh, artificial uh, support. <laughs> so uh, there, are, there are many ways how to encourage, encourage people to, to get better positioning in in positions in, in politics. We, we desperately need them.
1: Yeah. The, one of the arguments every time I talk to women who are trying to run for office or are actually running for office or even business and, and so on, is they say women too are barriers uh, to other women. Uh, women sometimes don't vote for other women if they need to vote for other women. They still, uh, uh, other than the women who constantly go out and actually talk about the fact that gender equality is important, especially in the democratic space, there are those who still feel as women that uh, gender e- uh, equality is not as important. How do we bring all women on board for one? And then secondly, there's also the issue that we talk to each other. They say sometimes we are engaging in our own silos and that is why the agenda around women issues is not moving be, uh, as fast as we want it to move. How do we improve that? I'd really like to hear your take on those two issues.
2: I think that it, it requires continuous effort to get out of the bubble. And. It is more difficult now when we, you, you are my beloved bubble, yeah, I'm happy to, <laughs> to be with you. <laughs> but you, yeah. you feel it yourself that we are a kind of speaking with the convinced ones. Yes. And maybe there will be some unconvinced ones who will uh, listen to the podcast and, and they, they will say, Jorova is either naive or fanatic. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't want to be neither of, of those. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I would like to to set both feet on the ground and uh, keep promoting the logical and obvious things that if we do not have women in decision-making positions, uh, there will be something important missing. I I already, uh, for for the balance, uh, the development and for achieving uh, fairness and uh some, some kind of balance uh, in, in distribution of fairness in the society. Um, we have uh, some member states in the EU where it is a kind of a shame to get the helping hand. I come from such country. Uh, when I speak about the quotas in my country, it, it has a very sharp reaction and it's maybe because of the, of the communist uh, past, that the, the communist woman, she was a heroine, yeah? She, she, there was a declared equality, only declared one. But it meant that the women had to retain all the family duties. And on top of that, <laughs> they have to work as, as, as much as the men to, to make the money for, for, for living. And uh, was, it, was it equality? Well, but, but we were taught in the society that are educated in the society when uh, complaints were seen as weakness, as something inappropriate. Yeah? So there are big cultural biases and, and, and traditions. And uh, also it is connected with how the churches are Strong in each society, so it's a very complex issue. And the first
1: question was: uh, so encourage other women to support other women.
2: The examples are important. I think that uh, they should have also some certainty that the society will help you if they if, will help them if they want. For instance, uh, what, we, what we see in the, in the last 10 years with what is growing is, is hate speech online against women who want to engage uh, in politics. It's not about only against the politicians, it's about the journalists, about the, the women judges. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we see it everywhere. So I think that that should be more efficient help of the society, the legal aid, also the action of law enforcement side, yeah because mm-hmm. uh, this is a crime to to attack somebody and to uh, in to to incite violence against concrete people this is a crime or might be qualified as crime, so there should be crime and punishment also in online world and and so i think that the society is still not doing enough to support the women and to give them more certainty that if they engage in, in public uh, uh, matters, they will not face uh, the danger, them uh, and their families, because the women are never alone. Yeah? I remember very well how difficult for me was to start the, the political career when I always was aware there are my children who mm-hmm. will suffer, who will suffer. But they are not complaining. They are (laughs) encouraging Mm me.
1: (laughs) So are you optimistic about uh, like, in the next 10 years that we probably will have even an increased acceleration of uh, more women joining political leadership?
2: I don't want to paint a gloomy picture, but we will see in some parts of Europe uh, and in the world uh, a lot of backsliding. under the headline of let's come to the traditional values
1: okay.
2: which the people want, part of the society is so nervous about the quick changes yeah. especially the digital revolution and now COVID that they have a tendency to believe those who are uh, promising good old normal but old normal was not good for women. That's mm-hmm. why we have to be aware of these tendencies. Uh, do not underestimate them and to uh, everybody who can do something against that should go and do that. And it's not only about w- women activists. It's, uh, it's about the women in all decision-making positions. I remember a lot of interesting discussions with the uh, few but very strong women who are nowadays the captains of industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who have also influence. Uh, we, we have to join forces and uh, work continuously for new good normal. And uh, the COVID is a real, real misery, which is, which is now endangering all of us but it could be also a chance to start something new. And uh, I, uh, we we, uh, adopted the the gender strategy uh, uh, the strategy which is focusing on on several important priorities. And we mean it seriously in Europe that uh, we have to join forces and not to come back to the 19th century.
1: I think that's really well said. Uh, especially looking at the fact that uh, we have new opportunities that can be harnessed now, even though we are within a a pandemic, to actually push forward uh, gender equality and democracy.
2: By the the
1: way, after the
2: financial crisis, uh, can you imagine much more or many more women entrepreneurs started to do the business because they could harvest the opportunity. I think the flexibility on, for, and dynamism is, is very, very strong on the side of the women to understand the opportunity and to go for it. And also the companies which had in the leadership, the, the women, they sniffed mm-hmm. earlier the crisis coming and they took measures. So uh, I think that the women are great survivors in the times of crisis. And I, I don't want to sound pathetic or naive that I believe that this crisis could push us forward. Let's all do what we can i want i know i know you wanted to end end it up
1: so <laughs> thank you no absolutely that gives it a really good ending because i too am a strong believer that yes women did step up during this pandemic uh, actually i go around saying for when people are doing what we call a me first approach we need to really protect ourselves and not do anything women were stepping up trying to innovate and find ways to you know uh, encourage Uh, people to actually support others, create communities where people can engage and not only just provide the initial services, but also uh, looking at mental health in particular, like, you know, the connectivity that is really important, especially in this day and age where we can't even meet and hug as we used to before. So we probably would have been doing this in person. And now we We have to do this uh, online (laughs) (laughs) so thank you thank you very very much this has been a a really interesting conversation and i look forward to continuing to engage and good luck as you take on such really really tough agenda and i do uh, look at things optimistically that there will be a change coming soon especially ensuring that women still uh, and uh, the gender equality per se uh, is still going to be achieved in one way or the other in the next coming years.
2: So thank this world, this world desperately needs active women to uh, to achieve the, the cure. So <laughs> let <laughs> let's keep the fingers crossed and thank you very uh, much. Thank uh, you. Asia. Thank you.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Changing the Face of Politics podcast series. To learn more about the series and NDI's initiative, please go to NDI's website at ndi.org.